Enough with embrace debate. Pointless yelling at each other on ESPN and Fox. Yet very little actual content. It's time for a change. A voice from the fan. For the fan. The most compelling topics in sports. All covered here. This is Corbett's Corner. All right, welcome in. Check out Corbett's. Doug Cicerelli back with us. I believe we made it to day four, which is the longest we've had here on this second jackpot. So he's looking to go on another run, hopefully cash that jackpot for a lucky listener. So we approach 100 bucks. Uh, so check that out. That dropped today. This is Corbett's Corner. I'm Dylan Corbett, Matt Cruzin. Um, we got a lot to talk about here. We're going to first begin with college football because uh, I want to touch on one bowl game I'm keeping an eye on. And then, of course, the college football playoff, New Year's Day. We got to get the official uh, analysis for Notre Dame-Bama and uh, maybe a play or two from both of us here. So first I want to talk about, though, Georgia and Cincinnati. Are we going to have an undefeated team? Is this going to be the UCF of, uh, you know, a couple of years ago with Scott Frost? Uh, this line is – I've hated Georgia all year, but they have been solid the last two year, uh, two games against Mizzou and South Carolina. Take it as you will. But Cincinnati, a team you've been high on, of course, the record speaks for itself. You can only do with what and who is on the schedule. How do you see this game, the line? is at seven um i don't really have a lean so to speak so far but you know you always like to see a good story like cincinnati against one of the big boys yeah um while i'm kind of talking here i'm going to look to just check the list of uh there's a running list of guys who are not playing in bowl games right for one reason or another um no on the surface i like cincinnati i i mean well for one I didn't have a very good year betting college football period, but I feel like the couple of times I bet against Georgia, I know I hit uh, Florida against them and then uh, pretty sure out. No, I wasn't on the Alabama game, but then, uh, yeah, I hit Cincinnati for three or four times. I think I, they didn't cover once maybe when I hit them. So um, yeah, that, that's the game that gets to start it off. Obviously Notre Dame later on and then Clemson, Ohio state. Uh, but yeah, no, Georgia's basically from what I've seen or what I've known, JT Daniels has been playing a lot better. And I don't think, excuse me, I don't think he was the quarterback all year. I think I've seen someone or people say if they went to him earlier in the year, maybe, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if he played against Bama, but that yeah. might have been one. Hey, maybe they would have won that game. Uh, so they're playing well. I, yeah, I don't really have a lean on it either. I'll have to look a little further. Yeah, one of those uh, lines that is just kind of bland. You could scream it for a push. You said it, the quarterback carousel that they've had, because uh, Jamie Newman was that Wake Forest guy that went there, and then he didn't really pan out. So, yeah, it's just been an open door there at the quarterback position. Okay, here's what we came for. Notre Dame, Bama, what's the analysis? Um, you know, you, you've enjoyed a great season. You beat Clemson without Lawrence. You lost in the ACC title game, but you're in the playoff, a chance to silence the doubters against the top team. For what it's worth, I don't think they stand a chance at winning Notre Dame. I don't think it's going to be close, but the number is too large to where I don't have a side so far because I could totally see my initial lean is actually Notre Dame plus the points. Um, so it's at 19 and a half, 20, depending on if you shop around. Bama's got, you know, three legitimate Heisman contenders, Ian Book. Um, one of the better quarterbacks in college football, you know, in terms of longevity, career, success. All right. What are you feeling? Are you jacked up? Are you kind of, you know, you've got uh, obviously the beatdown of what earlier in the decade in the back of your head, you're hoping not to repeat on that. 
Yeah. Um, trying to keep emotions in check, I guess you could say. Um, all right. We know what Bama is. They are the best offense in college football, or at least they have been. You put them right up there with Clemson. Um, they have either the top two or two of the top three Heisman vote getters. I actually, this caught my attention today. I looked at the odds, Devontae Smith minus 350. I love the fact that he is probably, is obviously the favorite to win it now. I think he should be. You just yeah. don't see a receiver out there often. I think it's because he won the AP player of the year in right. the last handful of years. So if he wins that, wins the Heisman. No, uh, but no, it's, real quick, uh, Trask was like the favorite all season long and the numbers are there, but then you lose all those big games, right? And then, so, God, I... I then it was Mac Jones. But and they're I think splitting it's votes from each other, you know, yeah. Jones and Smith. So that's what's tough, but it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be Smith. Okay, I do too. I think it's him and Jones one too. Now, while their offense is explosive, SEC doesn't have a ton of great defenses. They actually have quite a few that aren't very good at all. And I swear, every time I watched a highlight or had a Bama game on, Devontae Smith is just beating single coverage off the line, blowing right by him. I'm not seeing him beat double teams. I'm not seeing him go deep when they have safety help. Why defenses refuse to put safety help over the top every single time or double or do something, I don't know. Will Notre Dame do it? That's the question. I'll be very upset if I just see him beating them deep on one-on-one coverage or plays like that. Like, it'll drive me nuts. Um, So, that's the thing. One thing I like is the fact that Mac Jones is not mobile at all. Trevor Lawrence, very good runner. And that was a dynamic of the offense for Clemson that Notre Dame could not stop. They could not stop him. They didn't tackle well. And then they got beat deep a couple times. They just played poorly all around. So, uh, they can keep... Mac Jones in the pocket. He's not going to look to leave the pocket. If they get pressure, can make it interesting. I don't know. Will they struggle to ta- uh, tackle Najee Harris? Probably. Um, they looked really bad against Mark Ingram and whoever, uh, Derek Henry in 2012. Uh, and then on offense, the Notre Dame receivers did not get open at all against Clemson. Ian Book would get a few seconds in the pocket. No one's open. Then he's running for his life. Do they get open against Alabama? Do they uh, seriously mix up the playbooks, screens, quick passes, get the guys with speed, the ball in space? That includes the backup running back, Chris Tyree, a true freshman. He scored the only touchdown against Clemson. A couple different receivers. They have a big freshman tight end who's a mini gronk. Um, He'll be a first-round pick in a few years. He can be a matchup problem for anyone. He was getting going against Clemson in the first quarter when Notre Dame was still competing in that game. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we'll see. It is a lot of points, but you're going to need a few things to go your way. Another tip ball interception, fumble. You don't turn the ball over, stuff like that, because they're going to have a tough time stopping Bama. I was going to say, like, uh, I think to in order to topple Bama, you're going to have to score with them, and that might just be too hard. Um, but it is going to be a great matchup. Again, the, the, that line is just a little too astronomical for me. Um, so let's get to the closer game, the 2-3 matchup, Ohio State-Clemson. Um, the initial reaction was just Clemson, Clemson, Clemson. Um, then I started looking a little bit deeper, and for some reason, football power index, take it as you will, um has ohio state as the better team than clemson like straight up uh which shocked me um ohio state i wasn't high look at their opponents right indiana northwestern um 
Clemson, I haven't been too high on them as either, but look what they've done since Lawrence came back, right? Um, and I think they returned a lot of their guys on defense. Travis Etienne, talk about a quiet year for a guy that came in with all the Heisman buzz, I guess. He's still putting up great numbers. Um, I like Clemson here, but seven in the hook is what drew me over to Ohio State. I think we're going to get Bama Clemson, but Ohio State, remember, was a play away from taking down Clemson last year uh, when the receiver broke off his route and fields through that interception. They were marching right down the field. God, I lost so much money on Ohio State live that day. Um, but I think Ohio State's going to keep this close. I'm playing the number here, seven and a half. How do you see this one? Yes, yeah, so I'm with you. I, I think I love Clemson here, but is it recency bias? Because like you said, what yeah. is my most recent memory of each team? It's Clemson beating the shit out of Notre Dame in the ACC championship, and it's Ohio State struggling to get Strong past life. Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my most recent thought of them, and when you think of that, Clemson's going to roll here. But, yes, it's still a very similar Ohio State team that um, – could have should have almost did beat Clemson last year in the playoff um 2016 Ohio State lost 31 to nothing to Clemson uh so they have that I obviously they played a few times and then before that 2014 they lost to Clemson that might have been the championship I don't really remember anyway um so we'll see I Right now, though, Ohio State has not impressed me at all, and that's all season, not just in the Big Ten Championship. That's all season. Uh, Clemson looked so much better on defense, so that's one thing they didn't look good on most of the year was defensively. They had three or four main guys out, uh, including uh, Skowski, the signal caller, uh, on defense. So, yes, I still think I do like Clemson here. Fields does not look good. He looked better last year, frankly, uh, in Lawrence. Lawrence looked unstoppable against Notre Dame. So I think Clemson's healthy. I hate Dabo Sweeney, even though when we talk often, but uh, I think it's Clemson big here. Okay. Yeah. I, so you're, we're thinking the same here, Clemson, uh, Clemson, Bama. I think it's going to be kind of the same case as last year where uh, the top team is going to roll um, in the title game, right? It was LSU all the way too against Clemson. But then there's also the kind of farewell for Trevor Lawrence, one of the greater quarterbacks we've seen in college football. Is he going to get another title uh, to cement that legacy? Uh, we'll sh- we shall see. We'll be watching together. Maybe we'll put some content. Uh, hope everyone has a good New Year's. All right, let's get to um, college hoops. So <clears throat> let's start with this, Illinois and Minnesota. Illinois, of course, the three losses, a tough, uh, they've been playing the best of the best. Baylor, one of those losses. Do we owe Minnesota a little bit more credit? I know I certainly do. That was the other team I wanted to talk about. A couple of back-to-back wins here that can't be ignored. No, absolutely not. So, um, as we know, Minnesota entered a gauntlet just to start the Big Ten play. But, and that's not to say... Like, you can look at every single Big Ten schedule, and that's what they're all going to look like. They're all going to have six straight-ranked opponents. That's what happens when 75% of your conference is ranked. Um, anyway, so they enter this gauntlet, and they don't start well. They get uh, just pummeled by Illinois. Yep. Then they bounce back with a really nice win over a very good slew team. Then they beat Iowa in overtime. I bet against them both of those games. I'm like, all right, three times in a row, do I take Michigan State? I did not. Thank God I did not. Minnesota right. rolls by 30, almost. Yeah, 25, okay? They are playing really well. Before the season started, or the Big Ten Conference started, I was 
telling uh, Ty, Al, and Bryce, you know what you're going to get for the most part from Marcus Carr, Liam Robbins, and Booth Gotch. They're consistent in what they do. Marcus Carr is actually top five in the country in scoring right now, still averaging success. Liam Robbins is a big one who I've been high on. I knew his game would translate to the Big Ten. Others did not, not to name names, but the last two games, 18 and 10 for him. And then Booth Gotch, who probably played the worst game of his career against Illinois. That's probably why they're so bad. Uh, if they shoot well with the guys like Gabe Kalsher and Brandon Johnson, who Brandon, Couch, uh, Brandon Johnson was like seven of eight against Iowa from three, uh, guys like that, then they can be dangerous. But yeah, right now, Marcus Carr is playing at a first team All-American level. Liam Robbins is uh, seven foot one and just causing havoc down low. He held his own against Garza. Garza had five points in the first half against them. So um, yeah, they're playing a good brand right now. You got to give Richard Pitino credit. Yeah, so they're towards the top of the table here, two and one, the Big Ten, but certainly some eye-opening wins. Uh, Illinois, three and one. Um, you know, they lost to Rutgers, who continues to surprise people, right? They were missing one of their best players last night, and they still beat Purdue. Um, so, that I mean, that's pretty solid. Speaking of Purdue, that's Illinois' next matchup at 1-2, uh, 1-2, January 2nd. Um, but Illinois towards the top of the table, and Northwestern's up there. Michigan, how are you seeing the Big Ten so far? Yeah, uh, well, and Rutgers is very good. Like I said, that's twice in the last week now where I took a team and 30 minutes before game time, they announced that a top two player on their team is out. So, uh, but both times, both times they still covered. So that shows you, I mean, and they've, Harper's not the only rotation guy they've lost. They've lost like six guys for one reason or another, and they're still winning games. Northwestern has been very uh, pleasant surprise their experienced team, like guys like Miller Cobb and Boo Booey, are playing very well. You got this Wisconsin team whose uh, average age of their starting lineup is older than the Chicago Bulls. I keep hearing that stat this week. They play uh, Minnesota tomorrow. So that'll be a good game. Yeah, Illinois, they bounced back well from losing to Rutgers. Right. Uh, they looked absolutely horrific in the first half against Penn State defensively, but they went on to win that game by. 18 points, then they battle it out with Indiana. They have Purdue next. Yeah, every game is going to be tough. Right now you have Michigan's the only win, uh, undefeated team. They're 2-0 in the conference. Right. Everyone else has at least one loss. Iowa. What's going on with Michigan State? 0-3. 0-3, oh, yeah. You had them win the conference. That's eh, come back, man. Tough to, yeah, maybe, but, I mean, that's tough to recover from. That was shocking time, me, yeah. Yeah, no, the the huge loss to Minnesota is what shocked me. I had Wisconsin beating them on Christmas Day, uh, but I don't know where this uh, route by Minnesota came from. They need yeah. to look in the mirror and figure out what's going on. Especially, I mean, they started, they didn't lose in non-conference, and you start with three straight. That's tough. You got Penn State and Indiana tonight. Both of those teams, one of them will get their first win. The other is going to be 0-3. So, uh, how about Maryland? There's, there's, that's team I am not high on at all but then they go into Cole Center and beat Wisconsin by uh fairly convincingly that that didn't make any sense so yeah it's uh in its infancy but college hoops getting into uh conference play so it's uh fun to take a look at that I believe the Big Ten's been one of the deepest so far uh, just guys that are getting uh teams are getting three games in I know the SEC just kind of uh, starting off their schedule. All right, Doug, before we wrap up college basketball, I got to get your input here. I got suckered into it again. 
NC State, Boston College. Come on. Plus eight and a half. What are we doing here? What's the read? Um, I, I lean uh, NC State here. Huh? I looked oh. a little bit at this. Boston College is terrible. <laughs> we, they're terrible defensively. They're only shooting 30% from three. Turn it over. Not a good rebounding team. I think NC State does some of those things well. But, I mean, my lean the other day that I didn't take was way off. Yeah, NC State shoots 39% from three. That's a big difference. Rebounds are similar. Um, maybe they keep it close, but I think NC State wins for sure. I just uh, – NC State hasn't played anyone either, so maybe True. their stats will So, they're coming play. off the win over North Carolina, which I leaned. And other than that, but I'm still not that high on North Carolina either. True. But maybe, and again, so NC State hasn't played anyone. Here's my rationale, and yes, I took it. I also took the over because BC absolutely sucks. You mentioned it. Their defense is terrible. It's at 152.5. It's the non-public side. I took it. Uh, BC plus 8.5. So it opened at 10, and it went down. I'm like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, this. where, where are Sharps going to look at this? And then it went down you know, towards BC. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, what you guys are getting fooled into this. I did a little digging and I found my own stat BC. They've gone like, they just couldn't even cover against Maine, but they're coming off the win. NC state against the quote unquote, good win against North Carolina, potentially a letdown after a rivalry game, right? BC, when they have been a dog by seven or more points, it's happened three times. They've covered all three. It was Villanova to open up the season, uh, I already forgot. It was Minnesota. I mean, remember, they took Minnesota. They should have beat Minnesota. Remember that game? That was crazy. It went to I OT. Um, yeah, I had that game when they were down 15. Yeah, so that's my reasoning for BC. I just had to get your yeah, oh, hey, I'm Like I said, uh, leans are leans for a reason. I don't feel confident enough to take it, so. Okay, two last topics I want to get by uh, your input on uh, because they run through your teams. One is Chicago Bears. What do we have to do um, this week? It's the Packers. It's got to be a win, or is there a possible different scenario there? I believe that line's at five and a half. Packers still fighting for the top seed in the NFC. Uh, yeah, no, there's multiple ways in. Win and in, obviously, but then also if uh, – if the Cardinals lose, then the Bears are in by virtue okay. of the tiebreaker. And Kyler Murray is starting, I saw. Um, is in that yeah, I was looking, and Jared Goff is none. So you're most like, okay, yeah. Is, isn't it Bortles? Oh, my God. No, they did sign him for insurance. It's like John Wofford or something like that from Wake Forest. <laughs> or I think he's a rookie, prop, maybe undrafted. Fuck, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to beat the Packers. They're going to be playing everyone. Uh, so you're going to have to earn your way in. I, you know, I don't hate that. The fact that, um, you know, if you don't beat them and assume the Rams lose, then you don't deserve to be in because you wouldn't do anything anyway. Here's, yeah. here's this. The Rams are not guaranteed to make it. If the Bears and the Cardinals win, Rams are out. And the Bears would get the sixth seed. If the Rams and the, uh, if the Bears and the Cardinals win, that means the Packers have lost. And then if Seattle and New Orleans both win, they're all tied at 12 and four, then it would be New Orleans one, Packers uh, three, Seattle two. So the Bears would be playing the Packers in the 6-2 the following week if somehow oh, that geez. happens. It's not out of the realm of possibilities. It would require the Bears to beat the Packers. So unlikely because 
the Packers are playing at an elite level and Aaron Rodgers is going to be the MVP. I heard your Corvettes the other day. He is the favorite now. It's oh, not even Mahomes. I haven't my, looked at the odds, but I no, can tell I, you I, it's Aaron Rodgers is the MVP right I was, now. I was so. going to say uh, I my worst nightmare came true. It was on the ticker yesterday. He's, he's like the DraftKings has him as the odds on favor minus 330. And it's like, you know, he's there. The yards aren't there. And Mahomes is not going to play. That's what screwed him. Is Mahomes is not going to play this weekend, I don't think. Um, and because they've already locked up the number one seat, why would he play? And Rodgers obviously get invited. Jeez, yeah, that pissed me off, but he deserves it. it. It would be three times. I agree with you. I think that's the lock. He locked it up on Sunday when he went. Mm-hmm. What I think three or four t- four touchdowns. But Adams helped that. him. You know, is it is it? Uh, Dude, they are just um, they're unguardable. They're unguardable. It's and I actually love what Collinsworth kept pointing out during the Sunday night game. It's all Adams's footwork. He just does it all with his feet. He doesn't hand fight at all. So he never gets called for a push off or anything like that. He doesn't put himself in that situation. He's got the best feet in the league and he just gets open and him and Rogers are on the same page. It's just uh it's remarkable. I heard Matt Burke say on the radio today that he doesn't he thinks the backers are actually playing very simple football and it's just Rodgers and Adams and he doesn't think he thinks that'll catch up to him I'm like dude what are you talking about they like they're running motion left and right Jones is a very good running back uh Tanyan has made a huge leap this year uh Alan Lazard does a lot of good work for them on the outside um yeah I don't I don't know if the Bears beat them. What they'll do against the Bears is continue to put Adams in the slot because Bears are stubborn on defense. They play sides of the field, Fuller on one side, someone in the other. They won't put him in the slot, so he puts Adams in the slot against the Bears against Spin Buster Screen or Duke Shelley, yeah. and Adams will just tear them up. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I'll be rooting for the Packers because I, I want them to get a home field. They're my pick for the NFC. Um, so that's kind of, week 17 is going to be awesome. They're all Sunday games, so the red zone is just going to be nuts. And, of course, a lot of playoff uh, implications coming out on the final week. How about my boy A.J. Dillon uh, showing out against Tennessee? Um, they, I saw articles that he might be the – I don't know what Jones's contract is, but I think Dillon might be the future running back there. And It was nice to see him finally break out. Okay. Uh, wrapping up here with what the hell is going on with one, the Cubs, two, baseball. I mean, I knew like free agency freezing up, money's not your your average age of viewer is 59. Uh, you know, you've got an old ass audience. We're still plugged in. We're baseball lifers, but I think baseball's got a problem. And it, I don't know how significant it is because every time we say baseball's got a problem, they're fine. You know, they figure out a way. But Every single, these guys are not, these are all private businesses. So we don't know their books. So they could get, they could, we know a sleazy businessman is. You've got the Cubs guy, Ricketts, dropping comments all season long. We are hemorrhaging money. We are, it is biblically bad. We have no idea. I mean, we understand you want to cost cut when the economy is the way it is, when things are happening, when you're hemorrhaging money, but they are shipping off everybody and anybody um part of it is because you gave out these contracts darvish i know was it's about where you want to compete and how hard you want to compete because i read a fascinating article jeff passan had it on espn which was just like everyone's just trying to do tampa bay's way now it's about efficiency over than maybe the yankees way the dodgers way and that's why we just saw the dodgers win a world series Yes, that was a great article of passing the rope. Baseball mm-hmm. has a competition problem. I've been saying it for a no while now. They need, they need to have a salary floor. Yes. To make teams spend money. 
no like salary the Marlins. Cap no salary cap is great. If the teams with the most money want to go spend and buy a championship, I don't care. Let's have a salary floor so that these teams actually feel more competitive. Roster. And they're not but just the stealing point, money from their fans. Right. At the same time, the teams at the very bottom are the Marlins and the Rays and Marlins are on playing or on the rise. The Rays are a very well-run organization, always competitive. Um, but at the same time, the Rays are telling their fans that they're still trying to compete next year as they trade the way their best pitcher. That doesn't mean they won't compete. They'll still compete because they're a good team, but you right. can't say we're trying to compete while you trade your best player at the same time. You just It just doesn't make sense. Uh, Cubs. Okay, let me be perfectly clear. I hate the Ricketts. I hate the owners. I have not... I, I've said this probably two years ago, who would have thought I would come to hate the owners that brought a championship to the Cubs who won world series. Well, two, three, four years later. And here we are. I hate them. They're cheap. They laid off a ton of employees, blah, 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 blah. Uh, who, I don't care if they had losses. They have billions of dollars. I don't care. It is embarrassing that they are operating like a small market team right now. The Cubs yeah. should never be in that position. The Yankees should never be in that position. The Dodgers and teams like that. Well, guess what? The Yankees and the Dodgers haven't been in this position for a while. The Cubs are now possibly entering their second time of doing it. Now, the first time it worked, and that was what they needed to do. But Everyone has the copyright taped to that now and everyone's been doing it and it doesn't work as well as it used to. Now, uh, at the same time, the Darvish trade does make sense. We know this team is yeah. not ready to compete next year. It's the same group of people they've had that aren't getting it done and have not got it done since then. So you trade Darvish while he's at an all-time high. At first, God, I love you, Darvish. Let me say that first and foremost. I'll miss him like crazy. He it truly embodied like the Chicago uh, work ethic, eth uh, work attitude. He went to work every day. He got criticized a ton his first oh, yeah. year when he was hurt. He had a misdiagnosed injury, not even his fault. Second year started off slow. And then from the second half of his second year through this shortened season last year, he's been dominant. Top five pitcher in the National League, no questions asked. He started striking everybody out and his walk rate went down entirely. I love him and I will miss him dearly. But you traded him while he's at an all-time value. Now, the next thing, everyone, LOL at this return they got. They didn't get nearly enough, blah, blah. We don't know, and we're not going to know for a few years. I personally like the thought of four teenagers. They're, they're literally lottery tickets, and mm -hmm. someone else phrased that. They're lottery tickets. You don't know what's going to happen. If one of them's a superstar player, great. If not, then, you know, oh, well. At the same time, if you Darvish is on the Cubs next year, they're still not competing, so you have to make this move. Um you clear some salary. I still don't understand why they're eating some of the salary. It better not be much, but I did see that's part of it. Um, now, who's next? That's the question. And here's my bottom line from this. If trading him means – so you have uh, Bryant, Baez, and Rizzo. I'll have one more year left, and then okay. they're restricted free agents. Contreras with two? Two, okay. Right now, at most, it seems two of those guys would be Cubs long-term likely Baez and then Rizzo because Rizzo's still not as much uh, expensive as the other guy. He's coming yeah. towards the end of the very team-friendly deal. It was like seven years, 45 million. He'll, he needs more than that, but like he's older than the rest of those guys. So he's less. Now if trading Darvish means you keep a third of that four people in that group, a most likely Contreras rather than if you wouldn't have been able to keep them, then 
I'm all for it because I love Contreras. I want him to be there for a while. So now if you have Contreras, Baez, Rizzo for the next few years, you start have to do, you have to get more pitching, develop yeah. young pitching. That is what has set them back the most. That and overvaluing their own guys. They weren't honest with themselves early enough. Uh, Theo, Jed, everybody, and that's come mm-hmm. back to bite them. So we'll see what they do next. Bryant or Contreras are both hot names that are going to be talked about a lot. We'll see what they do next. Yes, it's bad that the Cubs are in this point, but it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and you brought it up. I like Zach Davies, by the way, who you got back. I know it's only for one year, but he's a solid pitcher. And it's uh, passing me the point in his article that the NL Central is weak as hell. You know, the Cardinals aren't going to – I'm not – I don't even know what we're doing this year. Like, are we going to give these legacy contracts to Molina and Wayno? I mean, we do that all the time, so – uh, we're not going to get anyone special. We're just going to be middle of the muck as usual. But uh, you brought up the point with um, uh, the salary floor, because as it is right now, these small market teams, and you brought up the Cubs, uh, a top market team, right? One of the top markets in the country, uh, regardless of sport, they're, they're acting like a rebuilding team, which is never supposed to happen, right? They're supposed to sign the free agents. They're supposed to always do that. And they're, you said it, you credit that to cheapness. Especially when they said, like, okay, so we have this whole plan. It's a 10-year plan. We're going to be horrible. We're going to get good draft picks. We're going to get those guys. And then they're going to develop, and they're going to be good. And then we're going to win a World Series, which we did. But then after we win a World Series, and when all these guys are entering their prime, they're going to need to be paid, we're going to have a new TV network. And then the cash is just going to roll in. And then we're going to build a hotel right next to the stadium. We're going to put billions of dollars into the renovation of the stadium. And it's going to yield billions and billions of dollars. Around that time when we have to pay everyone, that's when the money is just going to be coming by the wheelbarrow. Now, Obviously, the pandemic happened and affected everybody. But in light of that, I don't think we would be having much different of an offseason right now. I don't think that if we had a completely normal year last year and the money continued to pour in, I do not think the Cubs would be spending. I still think they would be making similar moves because they made poor decisions over the past few years. So that is what really sucks as a Cubs fan. You were blatantly lied to and you didn't think we would need to enter. You didn't think we would have to redo a rebuild period, whether this is only one year or two or three, which is what it's more looking like now we didn't think that would have to happen for a long time and here we are yeah and a couple things on that um miami the fans have dealt with this from florida to being convinced to build a stadium oh you know they won a world series title they only won two of them 90 what was it 96 eight something like that and of course it was 2003 but then they traded miguel cabrera oh we're never going to do that again we're never going to do it again no we're not going to tear it all down new stadium we just paid giancarlo stanton uh, no, we're going to trade him. We're going to trade Yelich. We're going to trade Osuna um, and the fans, you know, hate him. So you're, you're like in the same boat here is, um, you know, you feel betrayed. Marlins fans that feel betrayed and Rays fans. That, that's the model. That's the model you're being sold to go to every game is get some cheap guy in your farm system, turn him into Blake Snell and then trade him before you have to pay him um, like Garrett Cole. Um, and, it, and there's too many teams. And speaking of selling you a dream, Tampa Bay, yeah, we're going to compete this year. And then next year, we're going to be wearing Las Vegas on the top of our hats. You know, like it's all a game to where it was like with Montreal, how they eventually moved um, or how they eventually dissolved that franchise. Yeah, moved to Washington, right, with the Nationals. Um, okay, so that'll wrap up baseball and wrap up an extensive Corbett's Corner. New Year's Eve tomorrow. Um, Corbett's will be with you all weekend, a uh, huge sports weekend as always. And uh, then we'll be back next week to recap uh, the end of the NFL season. 
All right. Take care, folks.